we're just boys. We're just boys. And we like beer. We like beer. If you think that that sounds hazy, then Lord, we'll make it clear. We like Blondells, IPAs, cider stouts from the USA. We're just boys. We like beer. We're just boys. We like beer. Welcome back. Let's set aboard the Wild Seas. We've got quite the episode of the Upstate Beer Boys podcast for you on deck. You know, it is the season for some darker margin seasonal beers. I think they go by the name of Oktoberfest, gentlemen. Let's um, let's let's crack one. We got a couple here to to kick around the table, and. I think this personally is my favorite Oktoberfest. Um, it's from one of my favorite breweries in my home state of Connecticut. And uh, I, I'm really excited to join this with you because as far as Oktoberfest are concerned, and Stephen, you are not necessarily the biggest fan of Oktoberfest, this, is, I, granted I may be biased, this is my favorite one. So let's... Uh, Let's, I'm excited to share this with you, and we will um, we'll I'm not excited about it, but hey, <laughs> like I said before, everybody has their own style of beer. I'll try a beer once at least. What do you guys think of the aroma? Now, again, I may be biased, not just because it's from my home state, but East Rock Brewing Company in New Haven. I've had a lot of good memories there. I've taken a lot of friends there. It's real. There's a really a lot of good memories from there. So, what do you guys think? What do you guys think of uh, the aroma on this? <laughs> Let me go first. Only because <laughs> got a situation here, folks. <laughs> you know, nothing to see here. When I was talking to a brewer and a brewery owner about doing this podcast, one of the things he said is, you need to be more, like, funnier, and you need to have, like, you cutting up. You need to no, be no, no, funnier. Not, not necessarily <laughs> me, but you need to cut up. So, I didn't even mean to do it, but I'm smelling this beer, this Oktoberfest, and I turn it up a little bit too much. And it went up my nose, and so now my nostrils are on fire. If anyone's wondering, Stephen is now ready for the fall season of beer drinking. No, I'm not. Because now it's in his veins. Somehow I missed that when I was sniffing the beer myself. Because <laughs> Wayne's a professional and doesn't sniff his beer up his nostrils. Well, I went noticing, a little too far. I'm noticing on the, on, the, on the bottle it says a brisk amber lager, which... That's kind of interesting because uh, my understanding is most Oktoberfest beers are Marzins. Well, is a Marzin not of red amber color? To be fair. Touche. <laughs> what do you guys think of the aroma? Cloud is it? Some of us got a real close up on the. Uh... That's true. <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> or fortunately, maybe. Well, it's always unfortunate when it actually goes up your nose. You're only supposed to smell it, not ingest it. So it smells like, just it's, to me, it smells like a brown ale. I get the uh, same notes in it, you know, more like a brown ale. 
Yeah, I, I I will say I'm I've never been too big a fan of brown ales, but it does to to me it does have that traditional malty aroma. Zach, what do you guys think? Can anyone pronounce that word? Nope. On the back that of word. the label. On the back of the label. <laughs> it's a German word. I'm gonna pass that to Chase and see since he brought the. Uh, where am I looking? Merriment as we celebrate the harvest season? Is that it? Oh, that one. Oh, I see. The G word. Oh, wow. The G word. The G word. And it's not a G wagon either. Jamutlik. Nope. Nope. Not going to. Jamutlik can't. So just tell us. Tell us what it means. I'll note the other side of the label, which says suggested drinking glass with a big beer stein. On the bottle, it says the word and it says what it means. So can you at least read the meaning? I can read the meaning. Our audio. It is a it is G G E M U with the umlaut T L I C H K E I T is a German word for the state of warmth, friendliness. And good cheer. Gentlemen, here, here, good cheer. <laughs> gentlemen, do we personify that? <laughs> Certainly today, if nothing other, no other day. <laughs> and recommended glass, a giant beer stein. <laughs> Maybe next time. <laughs> yes, yeah. The, the, cheer, the cheer's been worn, I guess. No, no All right, gentlemen. Cheers. Cheers. Yeah, somebody already drank those. <laughs> Well, did he drink it or did he snort it? He snorted or took a shot or something. I'm not sure. I chugged it. So since you chugged it, you can give your first impression to the taste. I don't like it. He you chugged are. it, but he didn't like it. I you chugged it. Doesn't match there. I chugged it because I don't like doing drain pours, as we mentioned before. It, I've never really been in an Oktoberfest, and when we started this segment. Just a little backstory. Chase had sent us a text message between our group and said, bring an Oktoberfest is one of the beers that we're going to talk about. I didn't get that message. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not an Oktoberfest guy. That's just not me. I, I don't go into all these fads. Not necessarily fads, but I, if I want to drink a IPA in the fall, I'm going to drink an IPA in the fall. If it's 26 degrees, I'm going to drink an IPA. <laughs> That's true. And hey, if it's 90 degrees on a July day, I'm going to drink a stout. There you go. So the Wayne. mayor is not into fads, but Oktoberfest has been around since like the 1100s. <laughs> <laughs> That's nothing new, gentlemen. Okay, so again. But, you know, anyways, you know, so everyone has their styles. I understand, you know, Steven's the IPA guy. We give him that. Uh, Chase is the... Uh, Stout guy, we'll give him that. Am I the stout guy? I'm a Oktoberfest is like my time to shine. What can I tell you? Guys? That's right. <laughs> this is a good and, amber amber lager. And you're from Florida. Well, you know, I mean, <laughs> it is what it is. You know, I, I'm the only one that was born and raised here. <laughs> a little fun fact: I was actually born in Atlanta, Georgia. My parents moved to Florida when I was five. But that's where I grew up, so I identify as a Floridian. You're still a Southerner, no matter how you see it. Well, Wayne's no. a Southerner. He's just he's just 
catapulted the landscape of the South. Florida's in the South. <laughs> not according to some people in South Carolina. <laughs> not you. Well, Mel, I think of you as a Southerner. Anyone that was born below the Mason-Dixon line is a Southerner. That's true. So that means I'm not, which is fine. I'm just a transplant, and I embrace that. Transplant or implant? That's true. Stay tuned to find out. <laughs> You're just one of those, what we like to call as a dang Yankee. A dang Yankee. You, you came down here, and you stayed. He's not a halfback, though. He didn't go to Florida first, and then come back up to Carolina. That's true. Uh, yeah. I haven't worked my way down that far yet. Only on vacation. That's because he knows where it's at here at, in the upstate, you know? Amen to that. Well, that's my little trip up north. Wayne, you got another Oktoberfest for you. What we got? Well, we've got Coast Brewing at North Charleston, South Carolina. We have their Oktoberfest. It says, malty, sweet, and toasty with a touch of hot bitterness for balance. A medium-bodied traditional brewed lager beer. Crossed. Prost! Or is it Prost? Is I'm it not prost? sure. I don't know. No, I'm just German. I got a little German in me. <laughs> I don't have a lot of German in me, but that's neither here nor there. All right, so let's... Uh, let's go. Let's go. We know Steven's excited about this. <laughs> he might chug it again. No. <laughs> well, I've had three different beers from this brewery, so I'm actually excited about this one. Really? That's interesting. <laughs> now, see, I'm upset, Wayne. You've Sorry. got you, you, Sorry. You've got almost no head. That's my beer. Uh, on, Why do you have to on Chase's for? beer? I've got about a one inch head on mine. You've got about two inches on yours. Do I need to teach you how to pour beer? That means I'm gonna be sick later. You're supposed to pour with head. I may be the oldest. But I'm not the smartest. <laughs> Who is the smartest? Because I'm not laying claim to that. Uh, me neither. <laughs> I, I think Wayne's dog is the smartest person around this area. <laughs> We're in trouble. <laughs> take a Fellas, sniff? I'm not even going to take a sniff. I'm going to cheers first. Oh, okay. And then I'm going to sniff. To well, the beer boys. To the beer boys. Upstate beer boys, yes. There again, I smell brown sugar. Well, at least you're consistent. I smell the maltiness to it. I didn't, yeah. I, I, to me, it was that traditional malty smell, too. I didn't pick up any particular flavor one way or the other. Or, or flavor. You know what I mean, aroma. Um... <coughs> The, um, it's pretty similar to mine, I will say. The one thing that I like about the Coast Brewing Oktoberfest is it does have a bit of a bitter ending, which when you're drinking a bunch of Marzen's or Oktoberfest beers, you don't really see a lot of them that have that bitter finish. This one does have a little bit of a bitter finish, and it's welcoming. It's it's different. It sets them apart from the other ones. So it's not overpowering. 
It might be one the mayor might actually, he might actually like. Well, I'm interested to hear his reaction to that because that you're right. There was not there was not that harsh finish on the East Rock Oktoberfest. So, Mayor, what do you think? Is there was do you do you do you prefer the one with the the harsher finish, or do you prefer the one with the uh, sweeter finish? So I'm getting more Hefeweizen flavor out of this one. Really? I am. I'm not. I mean, good for you for sticking with the German theme, but that's definitely a little bit of a hot take. But I I like this one better than I did the first one. And Oh sorry, hate on Connecticut. Sure. No, no. But it's from South Carolina, so we'll give them that. Right? <laughs> it has nothing to do it has nothing to do with where it was brewed, north or south. I've tried many of Oktoberfest and hence the reason I didn't bring one, I don't have one in my fridge. I should have bought one, but I missed that memo. This one's actually pretty smooth. I, I could see myself drinking more than just one of these. And, and that's not normal for me because usually I stray away from Oktoberfest beers, anything with that, that note. Before we wrap and toss to what's coming up next, is there any particular reason for that? A uh, particular reason why I like why this, this season, why the fall seasonal style of beer is not one that you rush because to. Maybe like Oktoberfest, pumpkin ales, whatever the case may be. A lot of breweries tend to go in the fall, they tend to more go towards stouts and Oktoberfest. I like stouts, but... I like an IPA. I like a beer that I can drink all day long. The Oktoberfest is just too heavy for me. Too heavy. Too heavy. Not that malty. You don't like that maltiness, that heavy maltiness. No. That just my personal, <laughs> what we talked about earlier on a previous episode. You know, everybody has their own style. I tend to go hazy IPAs. Wayne tends to go straight away from them. Um, just hey, that's why they brew five million different types yep. of beer. Maybe <laughs> not five million, but you get the idea. That's why when a lot a lot of times you go into these local tap rooms, they have fifteen to twenty different styles and different brews, and I mean we're all going to be different. It's what makes the world go round. That is very true. Amen. And why don't you come right back with us? We'll set across the wild seas and seek out some buried treasure with Sean, owner of Plank Owner Brewing in Boiling Springs and his head brewer right outside of Metropolitan Spartanburg. Upstate here, boys. Well, it's been two months since I drank a little too much. Said the wrong thing, so she packed up her stuff. Moved down to Mississippi, told her friends she never loved me. Said I was another muddle, long-haired hillbilly. I'm sitting here, drowning in a cold beer. And I won't tell her you saw me here. If she asks about me, whoa, I'm rockin' I won the lottery. Everybody's talking money in the bank, gas in the tank. Little hottie riding shotgun in my new Mustang. If she asks about me, oh, I'm rockin'. Welcome back to Upstate Beer Boys Podcast. We're here at Beautiful Bowling Springs, South Carolina at Plank Owner Brewing Company. 
Here with us today is owner Sean Wagner and head brewer Kyle Grove. Gentlemen, thank you for taking the time to sit down with us today. I know y'all are busy schedule. You're actually closed today, so thank you again for coming in when your day's off. So let's start out by asking each of you to tell us about yourselves. What brought you up to Greenville, South Carolina? And I'll spin it to Sean. All right, hey everyone. Uh, Sean Wagner, um, owner brewer here at uh, Plank Owner Brewing. Moved up here three years ago from West Palm Beach, South Florida. Uh, spent four years in the Navy out of high school. Had a 20-year IT career and then decided uh, enough was enough with the, uh, the corporate world and um, moved up here. Uh, 2018, 2019, we got the business going and opened our doors to the public. So thanks for coming in. Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is uh, Kyle Grove. Um, I'm a former U.S. Army officer. Um, after getting out of the Army, I went to work at a brewery in South Florida, Devour Brewing Company, where I met Sean. Um, shortly after that, um, Sean moved up here to start Plank Owner. And he, uh, I was the head brewer down there at Devour. And he offered me the job up here in um, Boiling Springs. So I left South Florida and came up here to help Sean open up Plank Owner in 2019. So you basically, Kyle, you basically followed Sean up here to help out with the brewery? Um, I wouldn't say I followed him up here, but he did <laughs> drag me up here. It took a little course. It took a little course. Yeah, a little, little, uh, little, you know. Yeah, there was there was some job offers, but uh, yes, I did come up here to help Sean um, open up Plank Gunner and you know kind of do our own thing. We were both part of the other brewery in South Florida and moved up here to to get our own thing going. So you were mentioning earlier. You just took the question right out of my mouth, which is great, about you didn't like the corporate world. You got kind of fed up with the corporate world. So what are some struggles that you deal with as a brewery owner that you didn't have to deal with in corporate world? So, I mean, there's a, there's a variety of things, right? So when you work for a large company, there's a lot of responsibility, a lot of long hours. Uh, you work hard, a lot of stress. But it's the corporate politics. It's about, you know, management and the games you have to play uh, to make somebody happy. And then you get a new boss and you got to go through this whole role here. You know, owning a small business, it's not it's definitely not for the faint of heart by any means. Um, you know, I'm all in here. This isn't a part time thing. I don't have a full time job and have the brewery on the side. I'm here 100 percent. 110% of the time, usually, uh, you know, here working every day, right? So as a small business owner, now you have to worry about everything, you're, you know, everything from, you know, uh, all the utilities, the day-to-day -day operations, um, you know, the accounting, the marketing, uh, the production, the sales, you know, uh, customer issues, everything, right? It, it all falls on our shoulders. And, you know, thankfully, I've got a, a fantastic team, uh, you know, we kind of help, you know, divide up some of those, you know, roles and responsibilities, but as a business owner, ultimately, it's something you worry about every day, right? Um, we all, now, nor normally, the, the argument usually applies to 
the beer itself. Well, not not necessarily the building, but a lot of times when people are picking out their beers, they go for if they if they can't decide on what style they want, they they see a name that jumps out of them, and a lot many of your beers have a rather unique name to them. But going back to the basics, to get people in to try the beer, they gotta see the the building too, and you're the name of your business now. Plank owner, they look at your logo. They see a giant pirate ship. It's not a pirate ship. It's a navy ship. <laughs> navy ship, and um, plank. Uh, probably wrong on this one too. But you think plank, you think walk the plank. So where did the name plank owner come from? Where did your logo come from? How did that design and thought process of that commit? Yeah, so that's that. That's a great question and one that we we talk through every single week. And honestly, when we we picked this name, we we knew that was going to be the case. So uh, to back up a little bit, naming the brewery has been the absolute hardest thing we've had to do so far. Um, in fact, Plank Owner Brewing is choice number forty-two uh, on the list of <laughs> names we went through to find a name that we could we could trademark. Um, you know, and take out there and expand with and knew that we weren't going to have any, you know, trademark infringements and it's all ours, right? So backing up a little bit, plank owner, the term itself is an old Navy term and, and the Navy and the Coast Guard still use this today. It's somebody who was part of the original crew at the time of commissioning when a brand new vessel was brought into service. So they used to do it back on wooden ships and because of how much work and involvement it took to actually bring a brand new vessel into service, um, that original crew were considered to have some sort of ownership. Therefore, this plank is yours, or you're a plank owner, as the term came to be. Uh, the Navy and Coast Guard still use it. So um, when I was in the Navy, I had the honor of being on a brand new Ticonderoga-class cruiser called the USS Calpins, named after the Battle of Calpins up here in Spartanburg County. Actually. It's in Cherokee County, but um, so, yeah, yeah. Well, I don't want anybody coming into the podcast saying, no, 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 it's not actually Spartanburg. We know that the town of, of Calpins is in Spartanburg, but the battlefield is in Cherokee. Anyway, um, so just came up here. I've been visiting the area for about seven, eight years now and just really fell in love with Spartanburg, liked it, loved the upstate, um, decided I was moving up here and going to start the brewery. Um, and, of course, you have to go through this whole list of what you're going to name it and back and forth, can't use this one, can't use this one. Um, I literally was on the phone one day talking to an old Navy buddy of mine and telling him my tales of woe of naming this place. And he's like, well, hell, just call it Plank Owner Brewing. And I'm like, hmm, that might work. <laughs> Looked it up. Not bad. Wide open. So um, a lot of people do look at our logo and think that it is a pirate ship when, in fact, it's uh, a man of war. So our logo is a little bit of a little bit of naval history kind of through, you know, woven through some of, of our brewery here. Um, our logo is loosely based on the USS Constitution, Old Ironsides, which is the Navy's oldest commissioned ship still today uh, up in Boston Harbor. Now, the Constitution, the type of ship it is, which is a small man of war, small, light, fast ship, is a frigate. So one of our beers that we have, in fact, our Kolsch, which is a very popular Kolsch, is our frigate ale. Had it. So, <laughs> right. So a little bit of history through there. Um, get a little history lesson as we're just talking about beer. See, the Upstate Beer Boys, we, get, we, we hit you on a couple, couple angles. We know what you got. All right, so you guys touched on the fact that you guys are from South Florida, West Palm Beach. Well, a little fun fact, I grew up in West Palm Beach, so. Oh, nice. Um, 
welcome to the area. Uh, my question that I would have at the moment, because it seems like a lot of things I was going to ask have already been touched on, is um, how do you compare the uh, craft beer scene here versus where you guys are from? Um, so the craft beer scene here is great and is growing, is expanding extremely rapidly. Um, as far as the styles and the direction craft beer is going, um, especially in the upstate, we're probably five to ten years behind the rest of the country, um, especially when it comes to fads. Um, you know, the New England craze is, you know, is kind of just getting started or, you know, one to two years here in South Carolina, whereas the New England craze hit South Florida five years ago. Um, but the scene here is great. What I've noticed most differently is the seasonal change. Um, and I guess it's because South Florida doesn't have any seasons. It's always summertime. <laughs> Uh, yes, fifty weeks of summer, two weeks of winter, usually in January around the fire. That's, right, that's two weeks of fall, fifty weeks of summer. Right. So in South Florida, uh, nobody cared what time of year it was. If it was the middle of August or the middle of December, they wanted their their big imperial stouts, their pumpkin beers. It didn't matter. Here, there seems to be a very definite switch. Come the middle of September. Okay, I don't want any of your light, fruity beers anymore. I need your fall beers. And then come December, okay, I do not want your Oktoberfest anymore. I want your Imperial Stout and your winter warmer. And so that's been the, probably the, the biggest switch is, is having to, to follow along with the seasons to match your beer menu. That's... um. Never, I never then put two and two together with the the Nipahs being kind of um, the the Nipah craze being kind of slow to pick up around here. And you're right because like I've been coming down here for the last several years on um, for holidays and whatnot, but I really haven't had the chance to explore until the past year. And as I'm like going back in my head and thinking like, okay, yeah, where where were all the Nipahs? Who had the good Nipahs? And there really has hasn't been a lot of places that have had them uh, at all, let alone a good one. So you're you. You're right. You're spot on as far as the you know quote unquote hot beer, if you will, of the of the times, and it's the the area has kind of been picking up, picking up slow to it. Um, as far as now, the other thing I noticed coming from Connecticut, there's less classic beers up there. Like the one thing that I've noticed down here in multiple places that is not up north at all is a Scotch ale. There's no Scotch ales at all up north, I, or or if there were, I could I'd certainly been around the block up there and I couldn't find any. Um, so, in addition to figuring out the landscape of what's available and keeping up with the times, what is it easier, harder to, with based on what the market wants, based on what your skill level is to to do more to do classic beers or more keep up with the hype and do the popular ones. So I'll touch on that a little bit. So first, our philosophy on how we want to present our beers that, that Kyle and I have is we want everything to be drinkable and approachable regardless of style. Everything just needs to be a good beer. Uh, it doesn't have to be crazy. We don't want anything too out in the fringe. 
where it's like, well, that was really cool, but what else do you have? Um, there's a lot of that out there, and it's really cool. It's really great to see some of the innovation that people come up with. Our philosophy is we want it to be a good beer. Not everything is a classical beer. We have a lot of you know variety. We typically keep 18 different beers on, and the just over two years we've been open now, I think we've done 47 different beers to date. So, you know, the great thing between Kyle and I is, you know, between the years of home brewing, the years of, you know, another brewing, we have a lot of experience and it gives us the ability to really take a look at a recipe, like a style and say, hey, we want to go try this. Um, we've had some of our patrons ask about, you know, Belgians, right? So we were talking a little earlier before the podcast here about our Belgian quad, our, our, our Belgian triple. And so Gravity Storm was the first Belgian we released. It's gone over very well. We've made it twice now. And we just released Off to See the Lizard, which is uh, the triple. And then we've got um, more. In fact, um, this Friday, we'll be releasing our bourbon barrel version of Gravity Storm, uh, where we aged some in bourbon barrels and four roses barrels and then blended them back. So that's going to be on this week. Um, you know, when we first opened our doors, I think we had seven beers on tap. And, you know, the, arguably half of them were, you know, some of Kyle's recipes and some were my recipes. Uh, ever since then, it's pretty much been a collaboration between the, the two of us. One of us will come up with an idea and say, hey, let's do a Belgian, let's do this, let's do that. Um, you know, and we'll, we'll kick out a recipe and then we'll look at it together and Kyle will look at it and be like, hey, how about we change this or we you know, use this malt instead of this one. And hey, that's that's really good. I think that's going to bring some of the you know better flavor out of it that we're looking for with this beer. Uh, but Kyle and I are at a point where we've we've done so much together now that we can just kind of kick it out an idea on a beer, talk about what we want it to taste like, and then go write the recipe and go make it. And that's what we do. Speaking of that, do you guys have any kind of a turf war here as far as whose recipes get into the vats first? Uh, no, not really at all. Uh, like Sean said, pretty much everything is, is, is a collab. Um, the, the only turf war that has occurred was over our best-selling beer, our staple, <laughs> our flagship, uh, John Paul Jones. <clears throat> yes. Um, Sean, then we brewed this beer right when we opened. Sean showed me the recipe, like, day one, and I said, absolutely not. That beer has too many malts in it. It's too complicated. It was, like, it's not going to work on a, on a big system. I know you've homebrewed it, but it's just not going to work. We argued back and forth. I said, you know what? It's your place. Do it your way. <laughs> and it turns out it worked very, very well. <laughs> it's, our, it's our flagship. It's our flagship. It's our flagship. <laughs> so other than that, uh, you know, we're really good at, at communicating together and, and, you know, working out recipes together. So no no real turf war, my recipe versus your recipe. Yeah, uh, to, to that point, right, I mean, there are things that, you know, are a little more my preference and I've probably brewed a little more and there's others that Kyle has more experience in, right? So a lot of our New Englands, for example, uh, Mermaid Tears, which is arguably been our hottest selling beer for the last six months. It's pretty much Kyle's recipe. Like we didn't tweak it, we didn't mess with it. It's just one of Kyle's and he came up with it and it's just been a fantastic beer. Um, another one that we tweaked a little bit, uh, Muscle Beach, but a lot of those IPAs have been in his wheelhouse. That's that's his you know, strong suit. I mean, don't be wrong, we, we cover a variety of styles, 
you know, but like he said with the amber, that was a bit of my, a pet project for me is I took a classic recipe from the colonial time period and spent a lot of time kind of tweaking it, working on it, trying to figure out how to do it with modern grains, modern brewing system, and it comes out great. So John Paul's a great amber. Um, you know, there's other ones where some of the stouts, you know, his ideas, and we we tweak them on as far as what we want to what we want to do. Our big imperial stout we've done in the past under the black flag is predominantly you know Kyle's uh, from his home brewing side, but we've got a couple of really nice uh, imperial stout recipes that we just finished up, and we're going to be brewing here over the next yeah, probably a few weeks to try to get ready to release this winter. Um, so we've got a couple of those that we've we've worked on together, uh, but there's definitely no turf. We and I think that's one of the things that kind of helps us a lot is when you get a lot of strong personalities in any business, but or on, on our case, like on a production side, you know, egos get in the way. We don't have that. You know, I can come up with a recipe. Kyle can look at it and say, hey, um, let's use this hop instead because I think it's going to give you better notes that you're looking for. Hey, that's a great suggestion, right? And we, we typically go with it or we'll talk about it, discuss it as far as why and how. Same thing. We, we go back and forth. So there's there's definitely no ego, no personalities. Um, you know, we just want to keep making great beer. All right. Well, I concur on the John Paul Jones. It's a great beer. Um, so you mentioned turf wars and I see you guys are basically right outside the interstate here in Spartanburg general area um, seems like a lot of the breweries are more towards Greenville um, how is it with traffic and the other brewers here in Spartanburg County as far as like um, is there any turf wars there or anything like that or is everything cool yeah so as far as the upstate breweries go we have a fantastic community we've got a great brewers guild and there's still a lot of cooperation where there's some distance and I think some things are slowly changing, right? So for years, when you said upstate brewery, you meant a brewery that's over in Greenville. Now, you know, you've got R.J. Rockers here in Spartanburg. They're the big boys. They've been around for, I believe, what, 24 years, give or take. Um, that's a long time. And that's a tremendous time period in Spartanburg County. Now, fast forward 20-something years. Now you've got, you know, five breweries here. Um, and then, well, I guess technically there's six breweries now. Uh, here in Spartanburg with National Pastime Brewing, then you've got a couple more that, you know, there's some home brewers who are looking to to go pro, and, you know, hopefully within the next year, maybe two years, there may be a couple more opening up. Uh, now, on the flip side of that, in Greenville, I think we're currently up to 19 or so breweries. So you've got a much bigger metro, much bigger population in Greenville, and, and proportionally, you have a lot more breweries in the area. But one of the cool things is we haven't hit that saturation point where um, you look at Asheville and to some extent you look back at South Florida, the the days of the coopetition where we've all got businesses to run, but we're all going to get along because, you know, um, that whole, you know, rising tides floats all boats kind of concept. Once you hit a, a, a real big saturation in an area, unfortunately, you know, history has shown us that that falls away. Right now in Spartanburg, I think we've got it. We've got we've got some great breweries here. Um, the cool thing is, is even in the five that we have in Spartanburg, I don't care what kind of beer you like, you'll find it at one of the five with the, you know just five different breweries, five different offerings, five different atmospheres, five different vibes. 
Um, but at the end of the day, we all just want to make craft beer and make people happy. So I'm going to start off with you, Kyle. Basically, I would like to know what your favorite style of beer is to drink. Not necessarily to brew. I mean, you can go into that too, but just to drink. Um, so my favorite uh, style overall has been IPAs. Um, being in South Florida the last couple of years, uh, I was on a big New England kick. Um, recently, though, I've gotten uh, more back to the original West Coast style IPAs. Um, the beer that I drink almost on a daily basis here at the brewery is uh, King Neptune, which is our double IPA, West Coast style. Um, <laughs> Sean loses a lot of money on that one. <laughs> But yeah, uh, West Coast uh, double IPAs is, is is my kick right now. Sean, what about you? Uh, so for me, I'm I'm probably a more um, an amber Marzen. Um, you know, I'm with a lot of people. I think Marzens are just fantastic. Um, I get why we release them once a year. Uh, funny story, my 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 wife absolutely loves ours. Uh, it's probably one of her all time favorite beers, and she harasses me all the time to make it and offer it year-round. But then it's not as seasonal if it's on all year, then people don't want it, right? Yep. So we're only going to release it in the fall, okay. and then when it's gone, it's gone until next year. But, yeah, so that Mars and that Amber, that, you know, red category, those are probably some of my favorites. How many Oktoberfests have you done? Uh, we've only done the one, but every year we just seem to do more and more of it. Mm -hmm. uh, so the first year we were offered to do, or we were asked to do a uh, Marzen or traditional style uh, beer for um, Spartoberfest, which is the Oktoberfest celebration over here in, in the Reedville area that the church puts on, Catholic Church over there. Some of the elders have been coming in and really enjoyed our beer, loved the, the atmosphere, and asked us if we could do something. We're like, sure. You know, what would you like? They're like, we'd love to have a, a really good Oktoberfest style done. So we did it. And we called it Spartoberfest in honor of the festival that goes on over there, uh, you know, to support our, our local community. Um, unfortunately, last year with COVID 2020, we weren't able to do it. But since we're since we're distributing statewide, our distributor pre-bought a whole bunch of it. And literally, I think within, what, three or four weeks last year, it was pretty much all gone. Other than <laughs> yeah. A couple of kegs for here. Yeah. Um, and we did, the first year we did it, we only did a seven barrel batch. Um, oh, we have a seven barrel brew system. We have some 14 barrel tanks as well, but we did seven the first year and then we did 14 in 2020. And even with COVID, it was all gone. Um, this year we have multiple tanks at the moment that have Spartoberfest in them. Okay, nice. <clears throat> All right, well, you kind of answered part of the question I had. I seen your uh, to-go cans in the uh, cooler over there. I was going to ask you about distribution, but you just said you're already doing statewide. So I'm going to pivot a little bit. Um, I see you have a couple ciders on your menu and one seltzer. Um, do, you, do those sell decently? Do you plan to expand on that, or are you just uh, staying with the IPAs and the beers or whatnot? Yeah, so the, the ciders, uh, we don't have a cider license. So the ciders we offer today um, are from either, you know, one of a couple of local cideries. So the ones we have on at the moment are both from Bold Rock. We have a Blackberry, we have the Carolina Apple. Uh, we've had some of the Cyclops cider on for a while. 
Um, knowing that any group that comes in the door, there's going to be somebody in the group who may not want a beer, but they're a wine drinker, they're a cider drinker, or they want a seltzer, maybe they're gluten-free. Uh, so with the, with the ciders, you've got the gluten-free option. With the seltzer, you've also got the gluten-free option. Um, we make the seltzer here in-house. We don't make the ciders. Um, we've also got wines. We've got about three or four different types of wines that we, we keep behind the bar and the cooler as well. So anybody wants, you know, beer, wine, cider, we've, we've got something for everybody. Um, you know, and as far as the styles, I mean, we do, you know, definitely want to make sure, you know, everybody understands we do a lot more than just, you know, some ambers and some IPAs. Uh, we've got a brown on, we've got blonde ales on, we've got a jalapeno blonde on, we've got... Uh, Porter, we've got we've got a bunch of different things that we keep on. We try to cover the gamut at any given time. We've got a sour, so our sour is a Siren's Call. Uh, the current version is our Guava Pineapple uh, Berliner Weiss. So we we try to we try to keep a variety on so that in any group there's something for for somebody in that group. Oh, I see that there. Okay. Um, is that as far as sours go, how deep is your foray into that particular style, whether it's a Berlin or whether it's a fruited sour? Um, so as far as my brewing background grows, um, this is the first sour that I've done. Um, it's a kettle sour. So we add the bacteria in the brew kettle and then boil it afterwards so we're not infecting the rest of the brewing equipment. Um, it is a fruited sour. We do add, add fruit to it uh, post-fermentation. Um, but we have uh, recently been talking about getting some, some barrels and some wine barrels to do some um, post-fermentation souring. So uh, we're just kind of starting our sour game. Uh, we do plan to, to up it here in, in the near future. So... These guys are going to continue to talk about beer, and I'm going to continue to talk about beer, and we talk about beer all night. I'm a food guy, too. I'm a beer guy. I like New England-style IPAs, but I want to know about your kitchen. Last year, I found you because of COVID. I was working in Charlotte. I was coming through Charlotte every day because I live down in Five Forks area, and Every single day, almost, you are having specials of sandwiches and a four-pack of beer. So I know that you've kind of, I don't think you're doing that anymore as far as the, I could be wrong, the meal deals and everything. But tell me a little bit about your kitchen. I, I thought that part was a really good idea. So we've been, we've, we've had food since day one. Um, we got this building we weren't downtown, we weren't near a bunch of local restaurants, and we knew that we needed to be a little more all-inclusive, right? Meaning that we had to have entertainment, we had to have music, we had to have food, had to have things to draw somebody here and want them to be able to stay for a little bit. Obviously, COVID changed a lot of things, but that aside, so we opened the kitchen when we opened the building. We For the first two years, we operated it. Um, and during COVID, yes, we ran some specials where there was, you know, pick up a four-pack and couple sandwiches or you know just trying to do different things like any other like any other brewery and any other small business right now we were we were simply trying to do anything and everything we could do to survive you know last year um you know and if anybody's honest they're going to tell you it was brutal i mean how you know any business right now that is still standing with the lights on after last year you know hats off to them right we it was it was tough 
Now, that said, as things have kind of got back into a, a big swing again and we're getting a lot of people coming in, uh, things are opening up, we've recently did a little bit of a switch with our kitchen. So it's no longer our kitchen. Um, there's a very popular uh, restaurant here in the Spartanburg area called Dre Bar and Grill. It's over in the Drayton Mills area and very popular. Bob Munich, who's the owner, uh, is a fantastic chef, just cranks out some just tremendous meals, great plates. Uh, we recently outsourced the kitchen. So our kitchen is now Dre Cafe at Plank Owner Brewing. Okay. So we operate really as two separate businesses, but the end result is the same. You get to come in, you get to have some fantastic food, and you get to have some great beers. Uh, and that's what we're going to continue to do. So we're the kitchen over there, not that you can see on audio, but had a solid window in it. It was just a bunch of our, but it falls behind the, the production area line, and that was that. Now, we've recently remodeled it to where we knock the window out, we put a sliding window in so that pretty soon we're gonna have big graphics on the wall for Dre Cafe. That should be happening hopefully this week or next week. And then you'll just walk up to the window, place your order uh, for the food and then be able to sit down and you know, um, come get a beer. So do you allow food, a lot of breweries will allow people to bring food in. Do you allow people to bring food in or do you want them to exclusively buy from your partner yeah so we we pretty much frown upon you know outside food now if there is if there is some reason or you know small like you got a group that wants to come in in the afternoon hang out and they got a couple of kids and yeah. kids got a happy meal and you know the parents are going to order food here because they know the kid's not you know picky eater or whatever like we're, we're certainly understanding we're certainly very patient but on the whole we we very much discourage bringing in outside food uh, just because it's what we do, right? We're right. bringing people in, you know, our partner. We need to promote them. We want to sell food. And, you know, likewise, we're, we don't want somebody coming in and hanging out with a 12-pack of domestic beer that they bought down the street and they want to <laughs> come listen to the band. It's sorry, yeah. you know. We're, we're in the business of, of selling beer. So, you know. Absolutely. It's what we do. Being that you brought up last year and last year being what it was, I know up north the breweries had some trouble reopening if they didn't have food on camp, uh, food on, on campus, pardon the expression. Um, so were you kind of doing a collective sigh? Was it the same situation down here and you kind of did a sigh of relief that you already had food or was that not an issue when it was the food it was kind of an extra in the reopening process? So for us, it was it was definitely a huge benefit, right? There's, there's a few breweries, um, in, in fact, over in Greenville that, they follow that more traditional brewery model where they're either like in a warehouse district or they're in a plaza that's surrounded by restaurants. So why open a kitchen and compete with all of these when you can turn around and just partner with the restaurants next door and bring food in? But when COVID hit and when they started making rules around, you know, you can open if you offer food or if you're essential. And, and thankfully, you know, our, our, you know, local government here determined that breweries were essential. So we were allowed to stay open. Uh, the food obviously helped. Um, we were allowed to do different things and different openings. Um, but it's, it was definitely very, you know, uh, fortunate for us to have that. Uh, Wayne kind of stole a little of my thunder before with your uh, um, the competition from the other parts of the upstate and whatnot. But what other kind of collaborations are there between you and the community, whether that's, 
I know, Grant, not probably not so much food truck because you have your own kitchen, but like with festivals, with music, art, local artists, whatever the case may be, what what kind of collaboration do you exist with the community, with the surrounding community? So, a couple aspects of that, right? So, as far as collaborations go, from a beer side. We've done several collaborations with different breweries uh, here in the area, some in Greenville, some here in Spartanburg. Um, we've done a couple pre-opening in 2019. We did a collaboration with 13 Stripes that we released around the Army-Navy game, 13 Stripes obviously being a veteran-owned right. brewery, us being a veteran-owned brewery. So we released a ship-to-shore um, pale ale that we did as a collaboration that, that year. So that was... Um, well, it was before we even opened, so that was really, uh, I think, what, December of 2018. And then right before we opened, we did a collaboration with Cyclops, um, Cidery and Brewery here in town. We've done with New Groove. So we've, we've you know, and a, and a handful of others, right? So from a beer collaboration standpoint, we've done quite a bit. But as far as the community aspect, that's where I feel like we've really done a lot. Um, so if you go into our tap room and you look on the wall, it has our motto, um, in there, and it says tradition, commitment, community. So tradition is not just, you know, the tradition of, you know, beer making and whatnot. It's also our, our you know, military backgrounds, you know, with Kyle being Army, me being Navy, um, you know, a little bit of tradition there, as we talked about earlier with some of the naval history kind of woven through different aspects of the brewery. Um, you know, commitment, it's commitment to our customers, you know, it's commitment to customer service, commitment to quality, commitment to making sure that we're just giving them the best possible customer experience they can have when they come in. But the last part of that is community. Since we've opened, we've done, I don't even know that I can count them, how many fundraisers. Uh, we, you know, being a veteran-owned business, we've worked with Upstate Warrior Solutions quite a bit, Veterans Last Patrol. Uh, we're now very involved with Warriors of Once Again, which is a homeless shelter transition house here in downtown Spartanburg to get vets off the street and get them back on their feet again. Nice. Um, we've, in 2019, we did a chili cook-off um, to raise money for the local fire departments because, you know, as I think most people are aware, a lot of our local fire departments are predominantly volunteer, part-time based, you know, crews, and they're underfunded. So we did a big chili cook-off and all the proceeds from that uh, went to uh, Boiling Springs, Whitney, and Calpens Fire Departments, nice. uh, raised money for them. We've done a lot of work with the JCs. Uh, so there's a lot of different organizations that we've helped and we continue to work with. Um, uh, there's a dog rescue here in town that we, we've worked with. So. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, just pointing at our menu, our current beer, Pineapple Reef. There's a, there's a session, I, session IPA that we did for uh, Smash for Stash. We were one of six breweries in South Carolina to be participating. It was a nationwide um, uh, you know, fundraiser for brain cancer research. So we were, we were very involved with that. So community is very, very important for us. Um, not just that we're a local business, but we, we want to always make sure we're doing our part to give back to the community. Um, you know, we've just sat here and talked about how hard things were. And listen, you know, we're still in startup mode, right? You know, we were only open for less than 10 months when we got impacted by COVID, but we're still here and we're still doing our part. So community is everything for us. Um, so that's that's something that's that's very, very near and dear to us. Um, let's go into a little bit more on that smash for stash. So that's, you said that's brain cancer. And that is that completely separate from any kind of Movember thing that's been a, 
a um, a theme the last the last few years. Is that that's kind of its own thing in local. Um, so Smash for Stash um, is separate from the the Movember thing. Um, a couple of young guys, one of them lost their brother to glioblastoma, which is a type of, of brain cancer. So they started a little pet project with Sierra Nevada and got Sierra Nevada to brew them a beer to raise money for brain cancer research. It has since exploded. Um, I think this year they had like 270 different breweries across the nation doing it. Um, and, and their thing is they take the money that we sell from the beer and give back to them, and they donate it or they give it directly to the researchers. So there's, there's no ever overhead for their charity. Everything goes directly to the research to try and figure out uh, a cause for nice. uh, a cure for glioblastoma. So is there anything else you want to add to that, Sean, about that particular fundraiser? Uh, no, but that's just, like I said, one of many that we do, right? So it's not just that one, um, it, you know, obviously very involved and happy to give back to the community. What we did is a dollar of every beer that we sold went back to, you know, Smash for Stash, an organization. Uh, whether it's that or whether it's, you know, um, the JCs or, you know, veterans organizations, we're just going to continue to do what we do. So my question was uh, about the reason I was asking that. I wanted to add or see if you needed to add anything else about that particular one. I'm curious about the chili cook-off. There's only one other brewery that I know of that gives back. They do it. Well, let me say they give back. They do a chili cook-off every year, and they give back to one particular fire department in Greenville County. And I've actually been involved in that for three years because I'm a former firefighter. Mm-hmm. And I think that's great that I, not just the firefighters, but I think it's awesome that y'all are giving back to all the, the community and everyone that's coming up and asking you to help out. But are you going to do this chili cook-off as an annual thing? or? Uh, yes, absolutely. So um, we did it in 2019, um, and it, we had planned to do it every single year. Obviously, we weren't able to do it last year with COVID. Um, can't get a mass amount of people with tasting spoons. <laughs> <laughs> but we do plan on doing it again this year. Uh, we haven't set a date for it yet. Um, but it's been a great event. Um, we raised a ton of money. It was a ton of fun. Um, this year we're hoping to get, even in 2019, we had some other breweries come out. Nice. We had Cyclops come out and bring a chili. We had New Groove come out and bring a chili. Mm-hmm. Um, so hoping to do more of that, get more of the breweries involved, kind of have a, a brewery beer combo kind of cook out for the firefighters. Yeah, so that was that was a little bit of fun, right? So obviously the the intent was to raise money for the local fire departments, and we we had already identified that the recipients of the funds were going to go to Boiling Springs and Whitney. So Plank Owner Brewing being located where it's at, we are in Whitney's first response. So like they're they're our first response, but then um, you know the the second would be would be Boiling Springs here, um, and because of my involvement with the town of Calpins and and being for a while a volunteer firefighter with town of Calpins, we chose to have them involved as well. Um, every department brought an apparatus. Uh, Boiling Springs bought a big ladder 
and we hung a huge American flag right out of our home, Highway 9. Um, you know, Whitney brought an engine up. We had some other uh, equipment from Calpins. I had all three chiefs here, and they were the judges for the chili cook-off. So we had a little score sheet. They went around. They tried everything, um, and then we gave away the chiefs award as well as the people's choice award. So we will we will continue to do that, and um, hopefully we can get something going in either October or early November and and do that again. Nice. Yeah, I know that the um, the other, the Greenville County brewery, they were doing the same thing. They were allowing the chiefs to come in, and they actually brewed a beer just for the fire department. Now, they had it on tap, but they called it engine number, um, and they had a number by it. But um, that, that's cool. So, so you said... Yeah, we, we, did, we did it as well. So um, when we told... Most of our most of our grains come from a, a, a craft malt house up in Asheville called Riverbend. We're very close with them. We think their their grains are very high quality. We think it's a little distinction between their flavor versus some of the you know the, the ones we get from the bigger warehouses. So them being a craft malt house, we in just conversation we, one day we told them we're doing this this fundraiser. And they're like, oh my god, this would be great. Like we'd love to be involved. So if you want to do a beer or whatever, like we'll donate all the grains. So nice. Riverbend donated all the grains, and we did a jalapeno blonde ale called Fireboat. Uh, it was fantastic. We went through just an absolute ton of that that weekend, and all of the proceeds of that went back into the funds for the nice. fire departments. So a little little funny background with Fireboat is once the chili cook-off was over, we almost couldn't give it away. This was August of 2019. It was so crazy. It was a fantastic beer. We went through a ton of it. And sales just absolutely plummeted after the event. People would walk in, they're like, jalapeno blonde? Yeah, I don't think so. Um, <laughs> October that year, so just two months later, we were at the Hub City Beer Fest, downtown Spartanburg, and we took a keg of Fireboat. Out of all the local breweries that year, that was the very first keg to kick. It was one of those ones where you'd come up, try it, and go get you know your buddy and come yeah. back and have one, and then they go get their friends, and next thing you know, the keg is gone. Ever since then, the sales of that beer have just continued to climb. Fast forward, that is now our number five top-selling beer of all time. Okay. And we are on batch four or five or who knows how many batches we've made now, but we're in there. We just continue to do it. Uh, it's just a great, you know, jalapeno blonde. But we did that that year for the fundraiser and just nice. one of those beers that's just kind of stuck. Well. Of course, that was before my time coming down here, but now you're making me a little jealous because I do like a good jalapeno beer. I like to see what people do with it. Um, before we wrap, um, in addition to doing this podcast collaboratively, of course, we all have our own individual beer review Instagram and video channels. Um, so I don't think it would be right if we didn't go down the table and uh, tell you what we thought drinking your, the beer you've poured for us. Wayno, kick it off. <coughs> All right, well, I had the uh, John Paul Jones Colonial Ale, Amber Lager, or Amber Ale, sorry. Uh, I need glasses, so I apologize. But this is a fantastic beer. I can see why it's your uh, your number one seller, if I remember correctly. Uh, hats off to you. I forgot what I was drinking. I just know it's a milk style. <laughs> well, that's, that's Tempest. So that's you were the drinking. Tempest Coconut. I was drinking... The Mermaid Tears. And I fell in love with Mermaid Tears 
uh, back in March, you helped me do a giveaway. And again, I really appreciate that because once I hit, and I'm not going to go deep into it, but once I hit a thousand followers on Instagram, I thought it would be neat to give beer away. And I was like, you know, if I had to pay for it, whatever. So I sent you a message and I come in and Kyle said, hey, Sean said, just take four cans. It's free. Just to give away. And I really appreciate that. So I wanted to put that in real quick. But I fell in love with that one because he had gave me a sample of it because that was one of the beers that we did the giveaway with. And I was like, man, this is just a really good IPA. The citrus wasn't too bad. The hops weren't too overpowering. So I drank that first, and now I'm drinking the milk stout. And it's very smooth, and the coconut comes at the end. Like, I'll drink it, and I taste like the, the chocolatey, smooth, but then I'll get the coconut on the back end. So I'm, I'm very pleased with it. Because I'm normally an IPA guy. <laughs> well, for mine, and the first time I was here, I got um, a flight of, I think, five fours. And I did try your frigate ale, the Kolsch. That, that, that was very good. And then there was another one. There's a black ale that I really liked that mm. I was going back through my, my untapped and to kind of refresh my memory towards what I thought of. And I wrote that I had, there was a little bit of spiciness to it. Um, so, and I was talking, of course it was back in March, so I couldn't totally remember what exactly I got from that, but I was like, that's, that, that's like a black ale with spiciness. That's interesting that I got that reaction from it. But as far as today, like I've had your two Belgians, the Trapel and the Quad. Uh, Trapel's, I, it smelled like a lager to me and then it tasted very weedy. So I'm thinking... Monday Monday morning quarterback that it, it came through as that traditional wheat Belgian kind of flavor and then the quad I look at the percentages and they're only one one percentage apart but this one for a ten percent quad it's very very smooth and the aroma is super malty and, and uh, kind of that that burnt sweet smell. So is there anything you want to add about the three beers that we sorry that we talked about that we're drinking? Uh. I mean, as far as John Paul Jones goes, it's our, our classic Ember. Um, it's got a big malt profile, uh, but again, it's just it's super light and drinkable. You know, as as of our you know kind of our, our niche is that's what we're going for. Um, the beers you drank, you mentioned uh, Mermaid Tears not being overpowered, overly citrusy. No. Hops weren't too bad. Um, so it's a New England IPA. So you get all those you know aromas and flavor from the hops but it's not bitter mm-hmm. and there again even for New England it's an approachable beer for everybody you know, right. it's not over the top um, the coconut uh, Tempest Milk Stout you know you mentioned how smooth it was that comes from the nitro and the coconut you know just kind of hitting you on the back end again touching on our kind of our style is you know I don't I don't want when somebody drinks a beer like bam, that's coconut right yeah. in my face. Kind of subtle flavors, easy. And then uh, you know, we touched on the Belgian quad being ten percent, not tasting like it, you know. And and that's that's what we're shooting for. Um, I have a couple of higher gravity beers, and, and none of them taste boozy. None of them taste hot, salty. Right. 
everything everything is nice and smooth and easy to drink in. Uh, it gets a little dangerous over here when we do high gravity beers because <laughs> you can't tell. Yeah. But that's just kind of the way we like things. Yeah, just to touch on that, we we've, we've it's just a matter of quality, time, and process, right? So. Just because it's a 10% beer doesn't mean it has to, like Kyle said, be boozy, be solventy. It can be smooth. It can be just a great tasting beer, but it's also 10%. Um, Our Under the Black Flag is one that probably falls into that category. and It's gotten more than one person in trouble. Um, You know, right off the gate, get-go, it was 11.5%. Then we barrel-aged some in some rum barrels. We did some in some bourbon barrels. Which put them at twelve, just over twelve percent. None of them tasted like that. They just were great flavor beers. Just something that you just love to sip on. Both of them went amazingly well with cigars. Um, you know, so we would sell a lot on our cigar night every month. You know, we do a monthly cigar night with our friends at Grunt Rolls. Uh, so in fact, this Thursday we'll be they'll be here on site with us. Um, so just just a great beer for that. But yeah, it doesn't have to taste boozy to be, you know, a, a good beer and. Just take its time and let the let the processes work. And you said that um, barrel age that makes me even more having the quad makes me even more excited for the, the barrel age you're going to do for that. Uh, Sean, Kyle, thank you so much for joining our show, and even on a greater scale, thank you for your service both to the, our country as a whole as well as the community uh, locally as well. Um, so thank you so much, and hopefully we'll. We'll have you back on the show at a later point in time for follow-up and more more delicious beer. If they'll have us. <laughs> That's <laughs> true. You could hate us. Who knows? We'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll see about that. No, absolutely. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you, you coming in and, and, you know, having some beers and talking beer and talking shop. Loved having you in. Let's do it anytime. Um, you know, to everybody listening, hey, thanks for, thanks for riding along with us and supporting these guys and the new podcast and Wish them the best and come in have a come in have a beer with us sometime. Yeah, thanks guys. Appreciate you guys coming in. Um, I love talking shop. I love talking beer. Um, so anytime you guys want to come in and talk beer, or any anytime anybody else wants to come in and talk beer, homebrewers, we're always open. I love teaching people about beer. So come in and ask me a question. All right, ladies and gents, stay tuned. Up next, Plank Owners has set the wild seas. Before, well, let's, so let's come back and uh, do a little word association towards what kind of beers we like in each particular season. Upstate Beer Boys Podcast. Back road dust blowing in the wind. Pickup trucks start rolling in. Sky turning colors when the sun starts sinking low. Oh, oh, break out of that long, weak state of mind. Gonna burn a little brush pile wood tonight. Wind chimes ringing, swinging side to side real slow Oh, oh, and we got Zach Brown playing in the background Cans and the long necks getting nice now With the stars all shining like a chandelier It's Friday night out here, out here Where the moon glows, the corn grows And Lord knows that's how we like it Pull your girl in close, get yourself a beer It's Friday night out here Welcome back. Gentlemen, let's have some fun. We're in a groove coming off the plank owner visit. And uh, when we think of the wild seas, when we think of setting sail on a ship, 
I think of I, I think of boating and I think of summer. So let's let's play a little word association game with uh, the seasons. We're getting ready to gear up for the fall season, and obviously, typically popular beer styles tend to change into the fall season too. So let's go around the horn. Uh, Wayno, what's your uh, go-to drink in springtime? Uh, springtime, I'm going to go with a nice Kolsch. Ooh, okay, okay. It's nice, it's light. Most of them have like that lemony taste to it, so just has a good taste of spring. Yeah. Mayor, you got a uh, favorite spring beer? Well... IPAs all year long. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. Just uh, when I think of spring, I definitely think of something that's extremely light. Uh, maybe, maybe a Pilsner. Okay, so, Pilsner. Pilsner is is actually very light and refreshing. Spring. I'm gonna go with a wheat. Specifically, a peach wheat, Some, something that is light to play on Wayne's Kolsch, <laughs> and uh, something that's also a little more uh, not to double up, not to double up on terminology, but quote unquote weedy. So, so it's got a little more, a uh, little more bite to it, a little more. Uh, full mouthfeel to it to match David's IPA. So, although I don't, I'm going to guess that that uh, weed ale the mayor's sipping on is not too light and refreshing, is it? <laughs> no, you could see the video of that, couldn't you? I'm, I'm drinking real quick. I'm drinking a spicy weed ale, apricot, habanero, and peach. And a friend traded it with me and I'm, I'm trying to drink it. I don't like doing drain pours. But this is hard. <laughs> it's hot. <laughs> kind of looks like you're sweating there. <laughs> I am. <laughs> yep. Now, Swing it off to you. Now, uh, turning over into summer, the season we just completed. Um, I, um, I'm going to steal Steven's thunder on this, and I'm going to go as, as much as I – well, that's a trip. I could steal Steven Slaughter, and I could go with an IPA. Uh, a nice, ha nice, hazy New England IPA. But what it's really nice in the summer is nice Berliner Weiss. Something fruited, something that's got a little peach in it, a little pear, little grapefruit, a little pineapple, you know, any, any kind of those real uh, – the Berliner Weiss, I, I – I, when they when I first the first one I had I don't think it had any real fruit additives in it and now they've got like every fruit under the sun in them, so as as much as I would like to uh, say nice thick hazy orange juice color Nipa I'm I'm gonna go Berliner Weiss. What you guys got? Well, I was gonna say uh, a style that I'm not a super big fan of, but I'm coming around to the to the hazies, but I'm actually going to go on to the Hefeweizens. Okay. Okay. You know, that nice uh, banana-ish taste. Uh, that's that's more of a, a warm warm weather you know beer. So I would say Hefeweizen. Can't go wrong with that. Mayor, what's your summer beer? Well, 
you didn't steal my thunder. You could have. <laughs> um, oh, dog's trying to rip my earpiece off. But yeah, it's all right. We're a post show. I can cut it out. IPA. Um, I'll second you on your Berlinweiser. Only when we're around the pool, you know, having a daughter, we go to the pool all the time. And a fruited sour from a brewery that I won't name right now, but you know who I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> the fruited sours are really good for um, a summer beer, a summer beer around the pool because they're not not too heavy. They're extremely light, and they're low ABV, and that. A summer beer to me needs to be low ABV, especially sipping by the pool or even at a cookout. So, what do you think, Chase? Well, I I've only got even a follow up to that with fruited sours. A lot of they can go in one of two directions. They can go either in the um, the Berliner Weiss category where they're a little lighter. They kind of like a spritzer with a seltzer without the spritzy fizziness, or they can go like a slushy, like a 450 North, like RAR, like New Grass. Um, th- they can have that real thick, sugary taste and, and almost kind of give you a rush, a sugar rush. I wasn't going to say their name. <laughs> <laughs> I will. No, that's fine. I, I just. I wasn't going to say their name in case for a, a, a future episode. Well, here's hoping. Do what? Well, here's hoping. Anyway. Right. <laughs> but I mean, I don't know. What do you guys think fruited sour? Do what? Well, first of all, which which one? Which lane do you guys tend to go towards? And then on the other hand, which one do you prefer? <laughs> so Berlinweisers to me are just too sour, like. Extremely too sour, but like a new grass sour with the fruit puree, like tons of fruit puree, and some of the ones that we drank at another brewery that we did a couple weeks back near my house, um, those sours were not a typical sour. They weren't like pucker your mouth. They were just like a smooth, really good flavor. You got the thickness of the puree at the bottom of the can or bottom of whatever. So that's just my opinion. I'd rather have that than a true sour. Wayne's shaking his head. Neither? Sour is not really the lane that I go down. Um, About the only sour I really do enjoy is a sour wheat from Savannah River Brewing called Swamp Thing. It's got black, I think it's got blackberries and guava in it. It's, 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 it's a little bit on the sour side, but it's not like a dry your mouth out. I just really haven't dabbled down the fruit sours yet. Maybe one day. Maybe one day. Hey, I got you, I got you to turn your, tur- turn the other cheek on the hazy. Maybe this, maybe the sour's next. You were jumping on the hazy train, so, you know, we'll see. <laughs> Yeah, I was extremely surprised that you actually tried a hazy the other day. Or, well, a couple of times. <laughs> Wayne, 
when we were just sitting around having a beer together at Wayne's house, I was impressed. Hey, you know, you don't grow unless you try. Yes. Worst thing that happens if I try it, if I don't like it, I just won't have it again, you know? That's true. There you go. Uh, Turning it to the, the, the season now upon us. Wayne, can we get a frost? We can. <laughs> um, well, a few things come to mind with fall beers. Of course, obvious choices like your Marzins uh, and your Fest beers. But another one that I truly, truly like is uh, a nice brown ale. Okay. You know, it's a little bit darker in color. You know, starting the days are getting shorter. The weather's getting a little cooler. You know, you have your Oktoberfest. Uh, beers up front, but the more you get into the fall season, before you get into the deep dark of winter, a nice, a nice brown or a real nice amber ale really hits the spot during the fall for me. I can always get behind the answer of an amber, that's for sure. Mayor, what's your fall fall beer of choice? Hefeweizen. Oh, heard <laughs> weight on his hat. <laughs> Hefeweizen, you know, what? you were talking about earlier, Wayne, about your season of Hefeweizens. Um, to me, Hefeweizens, with the fruitiness of the banana, or not necessarily fruitiness, but the banana flavor, mm-hmm. and kind of like the true German style. I don't know, that that's a fall beer to me, because it is a little bit heavier. Most of the ones that you get around here are higher in ABV. So definitely for me, my fall beer is Hefeweizen style. That's nice. I figured you'd say something like a pumpkin IPA or something like that. Um, <laughs> I've actually got five pumpkin beers in my fridge. Now I've got six that a neighbor gave me. And I don't know if I'm going to try it. I'm not a pumpkin person at all. It's a it's a fine line of uh, pumpkin beer done well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I'll, everybody gets excited about, oh, it's fall. It's going to be cooler. We're getting pumpkin beers. I get excited about riding my motorcycle because that's the best time to ride. <laughs> that's true. That's also very true. Um. I do enjoy a pumpkin, but at the same time, because it's so hit or miss on whether it's good or not, I think I'll go for something a little more consistent. And I like Wayne's answer, the amber. A amber, a, an amber sounds absolutely fantastic in the fall. That, but that being said, I'm gonna set up the neck my next season and I, uh, with a little bit of um, question for you. And I'm going to say that I'm going to get all my dark beers out in the fall. I'm going to go on my porters and my stouts. And uh, before it gets too cold, uh, I'll get I'll, I'll, I'll get in my dark beers in the fall. Nice. Uh, so that takes us into the winter. Wayne, what's your winter beer? Well, I'm sure you're waiting to for you to say something crazy like a Pilsner, but uh, <laughs> anyways, um, when I think winter, I think a good, I think a good spice tale, you know, um, Saison, not necessarily Saison, just like your, your, your spiced winter beers. Um, 
or good Pilsner. I mean, that really can drink that year round too. So I like, I almost kind of want to turn it back to a nice juicy, hazy Nipa in the winter, get my darks out of the way in the fall and then start to turn the corner into spring a little early and uh, start, start to work, start to work on some Nipas in the spring. Steven, what say you? Barrel aged oh. <laughs> with all the booziness to match. Yes, I've actually got one, and the next time we get together, we need to crack it. A wheelhouse peanut butter cup that a friend sent me. So yeah, we'll wait. I guess we'll wait till okay. winter time to drink it. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe it won't be the next time. <laughs> yeah, it's even waxed. Yeah. Okay. I don't know. We can open it whenever. I just now don't you... like get. I don't like getting big beers like that and drinking them by myself. I like to share. Yeah, that's uh, that makes that's it more I, fun. I like that. Uh, tease me with that peanut butter. Yep. I like sharing big bottles too. Except the last big bottle I shared, you guys weren't too big a fan of. <laughs> Speaking of your little, what... speaking of your little habanero peach ale. <laughs> oh yes, yes, I remember. I won't spoil it, but yeah, I, I remember. I was trying to remember what she was talking about, but yeah, yeah I'll never I just, forget. I can't. I mean, look at how much. I, I haven't even drank that much to this one. I, I just, I can't. That's going to be a drain pour for me. You're over. It's just extremely too hot. <laughs> yeah, it's it's hot. <laughs> well, you can use it to water your plants outside. I mean, that way it's recycled. You know, it's not just a drain pour. It'll you know? kill them. <laughs> then put it on something you don't like. Tulips don't get a buzz. Uh, All right. What? What'd you say about not getting a buzz? The tulips don't get a buzz. <laughs> oh, tulip? No. <laughs> The roses. The roses. <laughs> Every rose has its buzz. Oh, Lord. All right. Well, this conversation is taking a turn <laughs> for left field here. All right, ladies and gents. We appreciate you stopping by. As always, you can catch us on our socials. We've got Stephen at Southern underscore bling underscore beer reviews on Instagram. We've got Chase at Nutmeg2Palmetto on Instagram. And we have myself at uh, Wayne's Beer Delivery on Instagram. And you can also catch me on YouTube. We thank you for listening. And we will catch you on the next fun episode of the Upstate Beer Boys podcast. We're just boys. We're just boys. We like beer. We like beer. If you think that that sounds hazy, then Lord, we'll make Cider Stouts in the USA, we're just boys. We like beer. We're just boys. We like beer.